Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another episode of the ABJ podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Blackwell Jr. We are back for another edition, episode 53. I'll tell you this right now. This month is going to be absolutely fucking bananas. Um, I'm looking at like three episodes a week for the for the entire month. So a lot of a lot of names going to roll through a lot of uh, great conversations. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm just trying to make myself busy and grind. The, with the fact that I'm uh, not working, so we're going to make the best of the situation. Um, but we got some new sponsors. We got a lot of things going on, so let's get the first one going. Guys, it has finally happened. A store fully dedicated to vintage wrestling. They said it can never be done, but I've seen it with my own eyes. Suplex Vintage Wrestling is a store created by fan- wrestling fans for wrestling fans, located on 5th Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, just one block south of South Street in the heart of Queens Village. Their shop uh, features the largest collection of vintage wrestling apparel under one classic roof. Their selection includes classic uh, designs featuring your favorite wrestlers from the Golden Age, the Attitude Era, internationals, indies, and more. Uh, If you're you're tired of watching uh, premium live events or pay-per-views alone from your home, then SVW hosts the best watch parties since your friend's Kyle's birthday party when you were 12 years old. Uh, Are shirts and watch parties not your thing? Well, don't forget the selection of figures, replica belts, trading cards, and their their special T-shirts and hats that they have, and their rare wrestling memorabilia. They have a little bit of something for everything for all the enthusiasts out there. So what are you waiting for? Check them out at uh, uh, suplex.svw on Instagram or suplexsvw.com. Let them satisfy your nostalgic wrestling needs. Sorry, that's a new ad read. I'm trying to get better at it. We'll get it. We'll not. We'll lock it down eventually. But we do it live. I don't like recording them and then just hitting the button and then play. I like the uh, natural feel to it. We do have other sponsors. We'll get to later on in the podcast. But all links for myself as well as my guests are below. So make sure you go show that support and show love to myself as well as my guests. Merchandise and T-shirts are all available. Um for myself if you want to support the podcast but without further ado this one is once again we had it we had a you know the other half of this amazing two people that i i adore so much in this industry on a couple weeks ago and we said we said that one was long overdue this one's just as long you have yet to had have this amazing person on this podcast and i'm excited for so let's bring in everyone's favorite the 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 one the only the rim rat Wow. What's going on, man? Wow, what an what an introduction! That one touched my heart, bro. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a, it's 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 been a minute since we've seen each other. I missed the hug, you know what I mean? Like that oh, yeah. that that hug in the locker room. Um, man, it it let's just do a little quick history. So, like, obviously, I I, I was a part of PPW for a while. You came in, then I started going. I started I crossed the guardrail. You know what I mean? I was there as you know a fan watching you perform, and we were doing kind of like the 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 car ride home, what we thought of the shows, and that's what kind of led me into PPW. And you caught you caught my eye, and it's crazy because not just you, but I didn't realize from being the other side of the guardrail and not having that connection with the roster and the talent that essentially my favorite people that were at that promotion were all coming in the same car every single show, and and it, it and it just it's insane. Now in my years of being part of this industry and being part of this content that like when people roll in together like that or they come from the same school or they're brought up the same way and they're brought up by the same people like 
they have that thing about them where it's just they can't conduct themselves a certain way and they can they, they perform a certain way and and they treat everybody around them a certain way and i was just like fell in love with you and main event and charles mason and evander james and mantakia and and nolan pierce and and, and i'm sorry nola katana that's a different nola <laughs> but like everybody i was just like you know this this is like and then as the years went between PPW and Camp Leafrog and High Tension, it just like it became like my tribe. I look forward to that group of people. And and uh, unfortunately, I just it, things got busy and things are crazy. So I just really can't be at PPW. But you were definitely a bright spot. You and Cosmic. Like I looked forward to going to shows, um, even with all the craziness of life and, you know, the uncertainties of professional wrestling. It was just like. All right, listen, maybe I'm not going to have a great time or things are going to be bummy for me, but at least I get to see my people. And uh, I miss you, man. Well, first of all, before I cry, I miss you too, bro. It's honestly been way too long. I appreciate, um, <coughs> excuse me, I appreciate the flattery and I appreciate uh, being mentioned in those group of people because it is a flattering and uh, talented group of people to be mentioned with. Um, but yeah, dude, like, I don't know. Like, you know, obviously everyone gushes over the people they came up into the business with and grew up with and, you know, all that good shit. But I won't get too detailed into it, but if you came out of that particular era of House of Glory being trained by the Amazing Red and stuff like that, like, you really had to work for it, and you really had to earn it. And, you know, however many years it's been, I think, like, I'm on year, I'm approaching year eight or something like that. And just to still be able to, like, be privileged enough to do this shit, uh, to be able to travel and to still look, you know, look around and see these same people that, you know, I started with still scratching and clawing to make their own way. Like it's a fucking good feeling because you, and you know, this, not everyone in this business, like last past five minutes. So to be able to share that is definitely something beautiful. And like I said, it's been way too long, way too long since we've seen each other. Yeah. And, and like a, a lot of that crew that we just talked about too, were, were, and I'm not saying that it wasn't, the opportunities weren't there at your home promotion, but essentially like PPW was one of those promotions where it was like, you guys were sent out there almost like an excursion. Like when the young boys of Japan get sent out to another place and they have to go and, and earn their keep so they can be, you know, honored more at their, at their, at their home promotion. And that's kind of like what a lot of people did. And with PPW, like Charles was like, not being really utilized evander wasn't being utilized main event wasn't being utilized and they all kind of went to ppw made something for themselves and then went back and now they're major players at house of glory you know what i mean so it's so that like those early days of like watching you guys all come up and grind is just i don't know it's really important uh and and i just want to tell you the moment that i fell in love with you and just seeing like how fucking tough you were and just your character and how so fucking absolutely committed you were and I felt all this even before we had this conversation. Bro, you did a moonsault from the top rope turnbuckle to the outside of the ring and caught nothing but your shin bones on a steel guardrail. And it sounded like a gun went off. It was the loudest thing 
I've ever heard to this day at a wrestling show. And I thought to myself, if this dude's legs aren't broke, it's a miracle. And you got up, you limped, some explicits came out, you finished the match, and immediately went to a hospital. And thankfully, no major injuries. But it was just like, I remember seeing on the car ride home with BP, and I was like, yo, I love his character. I love the way he conducts himself. You could tell he's so hungry without it. Because I didn't know you like that then. And then just like to be able to go through that moment in your match and knowing you're probably fucked up and to even have the the heart and determination to get back in there and keep going but still stay in character, I was like, this dude's my favorite. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. First of all, like, I just want to say, that was like the first time I ever experienced some shit like that. Like, I had never had any physical injuries before that. So, you know, you grow up watching wrestling, obviously, and you see your heroes do this shit. And you're like, wow, they're so fucking tough and cool. And, you know, I wish I could be like them. But then it's a different feeling entirely when that moment actually presents itself. And I... In hindsight, should I have fucking moonsaulted? No, of course not. But, you know, the love of the game, all that fun shit. Try to make so moments. Exactly. Uh, and it was one of those moments where I think I don't even realize how committed I was until that happened. Because it wasn't a question of should I get up or not. Like, I absolutely knew something had to be wrong. Uh, and even when I stood up, I immediately like almost collapsed back down. But, you know, I, I think I laughed because I was trying to, you know, just laugh off the pain, but that like not finishing never once crossed my mind. And I think that I, you know, you say like, that's where you fell in love with me. And I appreciate that. Cause like. This shit is no joke. And I try to give everything to what I do. So in, in and out of the yeah. ring. Uh, another thing that I think you shine very hard with is you're passionate. Like you, you, like you will go to a promotion that maybe has 15, 30. You could, it doesn't matter the size of the crowd. If that company puts you to a storyline, you work really, really hard to make that to the biggest storyline in the company. You're gonna do the extra work outside the company with your promos and 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 showing yourself out there to make yourself like seen. Um, another great example of that is at PPW is when you know there was some uncertainty with the title picture. You know they were coming back from the pandemic. They were in a new venue. They didn't know how much we we're gonna carry over from the old venue, and they put you in a storyline with uh, with Chris Slade, and you guys worked your ass off on that storyline. And I and I and I remember seeing like at the night the one night of a show, it's like, hey, I think we're gonna move on from the storyline. I go, I think it's a mistake. And they're like, why? And I was like, bro, the fans are more invested in that storyline than your main title. They're more invested in that than your tag team titles. And you're known for being a tag team company. Like, no offense, but like your promotion is never being shown on social media. Like you're like, there's no one putting promos out. There's no like, there's no way to watch the content unless you're watching on WILN or Fight. Like they're not push. You're not pushing the brand. And you have one guy pushing your brand, and then you're gonna go away from that storyline and then put him in another limbo situation where he has to fight for another storyline. I said that's I just 
it blew my mind but you just stayed true to yourself and to your course and you're just like fuck it whatever you give me i'm just gonna make the best of it i don't i personally don't really know what's happening there now storyline wise because once again the only way you can really watch it is through those means but man like people are fucking crazy if they don't book you they, they just really are because like you your your dedication to what you do and how you present it and your storylines and stuff is 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 special I appreciate that. Honestly, I do. And I feel like maybe even a year ago, I would have been very humble about that. But you're right. Like, people are crazy if they don't book me. And at first, it used to get to me. But now I realize that, you know. Real quick, too, just to add to that. And you were doing that entire storyline on a knee you probably shouldn't have been working on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just putting that out there, too. <laughs> uh the torn the torn mcl days good times good times but yeah. no like i feel and i honestly feel this way about like just every aspect of life if i don't care so good praise. i care? like this guy a lot too james ass uh rembrandt's my guy taught me my first bumps that dude works his fucking ass off too i'm a fan of him my guy yes he yeah. does I'm, I'm very i'm very grateful i get to work with him at, at sanctuary Harley in the chat says, hey, and my fave. Listen, he was my fave first. <laughs> Harley, back off. <laughs> nah, Harley got a special place in my heart. No, me and Harley me and Harley were very, very early on Team Rembrandt Cosmic when nobody else was. That's why. I, mean, I, was, I think that was like me and Harley's bond was <laughs> essentially used to. We're just like, yo, that's our guy. Like, yeah. Everyone else booed you, but we didn't. And that's the thing is, like you said, um, put all of this passion into it i try to put the brand on my back as much as i can whether that's as a champion whether it's not as a champion um if you take the time to invest in me as someone who could potentially lift your company then i'm gonna do everything in my power to lift your company to represent your company to be a 5-2 player for said company. Um, does that always work out? No. The, is it Amen. an acquired, Amen, is it brother. acquired taste? <laughs> yeah. Is it an acquired taste? Sure. Because, you know, some people have their way to work and some people don't. And that's okay. But for people like you, for people like Sabrina, for people like Gavin, Forgive for people like Harley, who support me, who have been on this crazy ass journey of mine through PPW, where I was in limbo, where there are times where I do feel in limbo. But you're right, I do feel like I elevated the No Limits Championship to a certain point. And I feel like before or after, in the history of that championship, no one can touch me with what I did with that belt. Um, do I feel like I'm a star in the making? Of course. I don't I, think it's in the making. I think you're a star. <laughs> I just, I just think, I, I just, we, we just got to get more people to see it. Definitely. And the reason why I can continue to do these things is because I'm not lying. Whether you like my in-ring style or not, whether you like how I conduct myself as a wrestler or character, whatever performer you want to call me, 
one thing you can't deny is passion. And one thing you can't fake is passion. And that's why no matter where I go, whether you know me or not, you, I will elicit a reaction from you. Um, and that's really all it's about. It's about eliciting these reactions and giving people the same feelings that I got when I was young. And I needed my heroes to get me through. Uh, especially nowadays, we're in a post, you know, pandemic age. We're in a very uh, tense societal period for the most part. And the ability to entertain people for however long it might be is not lost on me. Like, it's a privilege. And so I like to maximize that privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I, I, there's so much more I can just dive into here. I just don't know how much I, I just know how much I really want to put out there. Cause like, man, like another thing that we bonded over too is just like struggles outside of this business and, and where we, where we lie mentally and, and how we're, you know what I mean? But like, we'll have a conversation backstage and then you hit the curtain and you transform. And then you hit that curtain again. And usually I'm there, like, because I'm done. Like, cause I used to rotate on commentary. And then we would get out of the curtain and, like, like that the, the like that world and all those things that you're going through disappear when you hit the curtain. And then Rembrandt comes out. And then you hit the curtain and it's like that remote. And then you have that 15, 20 minute cooldown. And then you're like, fuck, I got to go back to this world. Like, can I just live in what just happened in those 10, 10 15 minutes out there forever? And it's just like, I don't know, man. It's like, that that moment like i see wrestlers go through that and that's what i fuck that's like my drug like like how you guys go through that i try to find that with commentary i try to find that with production i try to find that with just like anything because i can't i don't have that same outlet and i don't want the outlet trust me i don't want to go in there and take bumps that fuck that but like that's if like in this industry you gotta like you have to find a way to replicate that if you're a fucking cameraman if you're just someone out there sweeping a ring find your spot like find find your true love to this like because there's so much sacrifice and hard times and x and like real like real life shit you got to put aside to chase this fucking dream and it's just it's not easy it really 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 isn't and i don't think i understood that coming into it but i definitely understand it now um you know the way we were all trained we respect everyone from commentary to wrestlers to veterans to security and everything in between ring crew etc etc respect the business you know Mm -hmm. um it's just the best way to treat it but then even going like farther than that like you talk about like the mental struggles and putting it away and stuff um while i don't outwardly talk about my mental health struggles all the time um something I've realized lately is that where I thought initially that stuff was going away, it isn't. It's just a way to channel these things that I'm feeling. And I think that's what makes your character yeah. in your in ring so much better. It's cause like you feel that like when Rem comes out, like there's a lot of I I don't want to say your shoot name, but there's there's a lot of you in the character Rem. Like like you're heel. But you're you're a heel for the right reasons, if that makes sense. Like, like yo, I'm 
what the f- like are you fu- you're denying me like you're not giving me what i deserve here like there's there's some truth to that because you look around a locker i'm a Shawn michaels guy Shawn michaels was considered one of the biggest pieces of shits in professional wrestling but Shawn michaels looked at a locker room full of like like hulk hogan's and macho man's who never wanted to give the next generation of guys that they're due and a bunch of guys who were undersized and not 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 muscle guys and never had an opportunity to get that and then when he got it he's like you know how hard i worked for this f you if you're not working as hard as me back of the line and people thought of him as a dickhead like but I, I i can see that attitude and like that's i'm not saying that's what like who you are as a person but that's essentially the character of rembrandt like yes i'm on top and i should probably should be higher just give me give me what i'm what, what i'm worth you know what i mean and just i don't it comes through and and I think fans, it's weird because I was even saying to Cosmic during her thing, like she's she's clearly a heel. She's out there wrestling Trisha Dora, which is a PWI 500 on any level. Women, per, people of color, uh, men and women. She's she's the she's on goat status. She's so good, and people are chanting Cosmic over Trisha Dora in a wrestling match, and she's the heel. Like you're both like. You're just your your characters are reflections of, of of who you are, and that bleeds through. And fans connect with that, whether you're trying to be out there getting booed or not. It's just like it's it's contagious, man. You you guys are good at what you do. I appreciate that. I really do. Like, I look at it this way, right? And I mean this in the most humblest, but also sure of myself way possible. Every time I've been given any kind of ball in a company, I've never dropped it. Mm-hmm. And I can say that matter of factly, I've done my job everywhere I've been to the best of my abilities. And I personally feel like I am one of the top performers. We'll say in the Northeast, but I'll give you the country because I feel like I'm really that good as a complete package. And whether it's holding the No Limits Championship and elevating that title, whether it's holding the Battle Club Pro Tag Team Championship and elevating that title, main eventing with that title, um, whether it's the complicated nature and how I won those belts, whether it's my interesting relationship with the PPW fans and where they want to boo me, but I hear you, you can't stay booing me. It's it's not by accident. It's because I'm doing this from the most sincere heart of my heart. But when you live in a certain truth, you have to just really stick by it. And I've had a hard time sticking by my own truth. But that's changed now. And this current incarnation of Rembrandt is the best Rembrandt only because I believe in myself. I know now what guys like you saw, what fans like Harley and Gavin saw, what the amazing Red saw, because for all intents and purposes, he never gave up on me. What Cosmic sees to trust me enough to help her develop her career and stuff like that, to help her bring that nine-year-old's dream, 12-year-old dream to life and bring Cosmic to life in a way that is sufficient and that she can be herself and thrive with or without me because that was always a goal for her to thrive with or without me. She's doing and it. And 
exactly. And just moments like those and the work I've done with Chris Slade or with Big Game Leroy or even my recent work with Main Event, like can't believe I didn't say Big Game Leroy. That's another one too. I love that. He's a death. <laughs> I haven't yeah, seen him shout out to my guy. Shout and out to Bones. my guy. Bones is another recovery. one, too. Yeah. Bones. Yeah. Uh, speedy recovery to my guys, Mark Quinn, Big Game Leroy. You know, I love you guys. But yeah, like the work that I've put in, uh, even being in a faction, you know, in a kind of underling role in the House of Gangone, uh, it presented its challenges, but I did my job to the best of my abilities. And I feel like as hard as it is to navigate this business and confusing as it can be sometimes, uh, the love that I get when I go out there, whether they're booing or cheering me, just the pure emotion that I get reassures me, but also makes it worth it at the same time. Yeah. So it's it's new and refreshing at the same time. Because just when I think the connection can't get any better, I'm completely surprised by the reactions. Uh, this past PBW event, you know, we had our uh, golden ticket ladder match. I did not win, unfortunately, but the support I got throughout that entire match. That golden ticket. Have... That golden ticket briefcase is, has been a nightmare since the pandemic. <laughs> oh man. It, it's <laughs> that match was insane. But who's all in the match? <laughs> it was me, Alec Odin, Griffin McCoy, and uh the winner, Clutch Adams. Shout out to Clutch for just absolutely just destroying the briefcase to get it. I completely respect it. But that's, that's, that's a dope that's a dope four-way for a belt at the title of a match. I, that's four people I really enjoy watching. And it was all our first ladder matches. Isn't mm-hmm. wrestling such a wonderful concoction? But I'm glad um, Clutch is back, too. Yeah, man. Clutch is, Clutch is really, really talented. He was... When I first started, uh, you know, and I was working over at Excellence Professional Wrestling, uh, he was just cooking in all cylinders. And I was like, man, I'd love to get in there with him. That was my first time sharing the ring with him. And it went exactly as I figured it would. Like, just beautifully. When that shit went down, when that shit went down with him, that was the first person I was just like, you look at the story, you look at the situation, you look at what was said, you look at the context of everything. And I was like, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. What are are we upset about? (laughs) Like, I don't know. But I'm happy happy he was over like there's a lot of years like he's in catch up mode and and he's even motivated to be like, no, fuck that. Like I walked away from something I didn't want to. And I was mm-hmm. literally at a point in my career where he he, he probably would have been at AEW. Like he 100 percent would have been on TV right now if this shit doesn't go down. Like that's money out of his pocket. That's that's a changing in his life and his family and everything about that. Because he, you know, he 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 said a he said he had a tweet when he was seventeen. Like, are you fucking crazy? Like, yeah, I just you know, and whoever the people are who dug that tweet up to do that, I don't know who you are, but respectfully, fuck off. Seriously, and <laughs> like, 
Because, and the thing, like, I don't try to, like, have any firm stances one way or another. And the reason why is not because I don't stand for anything, but rather because I stand for the development of people. Like, we are a species that learn from trial and error. We can't be better. And we're all fuck-ups. Yes. Every one of us. We're all fuck-ups. And we're struggling to figure shit out. Especially at 17, dude. Like, I remember when I was a fucking teenager. And I'm sure if you go through my history, I was saying... Yo, if they had cameras on when I was a kid, it'd be over for me. Exactly. But also, like, here's the thing. He was in trouble for saying the the, the N-word. But it wasn't, like, in the context of, I hate this group of people... He was a kid that grew up in like a city. He grew up like probably the only white crew, like the white dude in his crew. And at that point in time in early 2000s and shit like that, that was just, it wasn't uncommon for different races and cultures to use that word and say it. And, and I never personally, I always felt uncomfortable with it, but like it, like it wasn't, it was not a thing. Like you'd be at the basketball court and it was thrown around. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but in terms of yeah, endearment. So when he said thing. it, I was like, this is. This is this is essentially people who don't know culture, <laughs> you know what I mean? And at the time frame when those are said, but like the dudes um, in an interracial marriage has kids, like he's not someone who's a hateful person to people of color. <laughs> dude, you'll be surprised, man. Like, first of all, as a black man, like it's a weird conversation we just went on. Sorry. <laughs> no, dude, you're perfectly fine because it yeah. is very true. I have friends who are not black who use the word. I have acquaintances, I have dated people. I, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, who all use the word. So for me, there's a certain kind of numbness to it because, and I can only speak for myself, Mm -hmm. I look at it as, yes, I understand the connotations, I understand the history, but I'm not going to let that dictate anymore. And so I believe in taking the word back and repurposing it and making it a term of endearment as a fuck you to the people generations before who used that to hold us down. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Clutch goes personally, I completely agree. Clutch is a nice guy. Like he's been nothing but a sweetheart to me and vice versa. Um, he has a wonderful family as well. But then in the same breath, if we go somewhere personal, my mother, <laughs> who is a Puerto Rican woman, so, you know, I'm half breed whatever but <laughs> my Puerto my Puerto Rican mother who you know I'm always I'm oh I always present myself around her settings so people know she's not alone they have called her racist even though you know like I I am black and I understand where people go with this and I am not here to tell someone or people how to feel or how to whatever they want to do with these perceived feelings, all I can really do is to be what I believe is the best in human beings, which is our ability to one, learn from our mistakes and then grow from it. Mm -hmm. We've all been very shitty people. I've been a shitty person. You have, our parents have, et cetera, et cetera. We're all the heroes and victims of our own stories. The real question is, is with everything presented to you, what are you going to do about it? Clutch chose to continue to fight for his dreams and his life. And at the end of the day, no one can fault that. No no one can fault that. 
the yeah. same way I'm here and I'm still trying to fight for my dreams. And there are people somewhere, somewhere that will have a problem with that. And I don't know fuck why. Em. Fuck them. But yeah, fuck you. And not, <laughs> not, in a, not in a mean way either. Just no, in a dude, respect. If, if you if hate I, on my grind, a, respectfully yeah. go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, dude, this life is so hard and confusing. Like, I, I think about it a lot. Like, we wake up one day. Not even wake up one day. Just one day we're, we consciously have memories. And we're on this big floating rock where things and shit just happen. And we have to just flow with it and find our flow in there. And for people to think they are above that just bare minimum that we as humans all have in common is not right. Like, Hmm. it's easy to cast sticks and stones. It's easy to throw uh, ridicule and insults here and there. But it takes a really strong motherfucker to look at somebody and be like, I know you fucked up, dog. But come on, you can be better. Mm-hmm. And, and and the people who normally throw their criticism or the ones who try to like hate or put, put someone down are ones who aren't willing to put the work in to chase that dream. And they're up, essentially their hate doesn't come from the per, to the person they're they're hating on. It's the hate that they want what they have, and but they but they're not willing to put the work in to get where they are. Yeah, That's essentially and, what it comes down to. And that negativity is always going to manifest itself. It's just mm-hmm. how and where. And unfortunately, it's far easier to push it onto other people than to look in the mirror and be like, fuck, I got to do the work. Mm -hmm. And there's been too many times where I've looked in the mirror and I've been like, fuck, Rem, you got to do the work. But it makes you better at the end of the day. Clutch is a better performer now, unfortunately, because of what he went through. That resilience is going to help him in the long run. Everything you've gone through and the ups and downs in your own career and personal life, that shit is what makes you resilient. And that's what helps you continue. So you say, like, you know, for example, with my injury, how you couldn't, like, do the same or, like, whatever, so have you. I got up because that's all I know how to do It's just wake up and try to be better. And you do the same thing. You've gone through your fair share of shit since I've known you. But you mm-hmm. wake up every day and you look at what's presented to you. And instead of being a, you could easily be a negative Nancy and a woe is me kind of guy. But you choose to fucking pick yourself up and try to be better. and Try to make fucking chicken noodles out of chicken shit. And <laughs> those are the people who I don't want to say I respect the most because I respect everyone. But it takes a certain kind of someone to look at all the shit going on around them and say, I acknowledge you, but I'm still going to leave this place better than where I found it. Yeah. And that's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. Well, let's let's rewind. This is usually how I start the interview, but... We we needed that bond, I, I, and I I appreciate you, man. I love you to death, and and, and putting yourself out there too, like bro. that. Um, but the like, how did you fall in love with this this world of professional wrestling? What's your earliest memory of being like this? Is because already listen, we're we're thirty five minutes in, and if people can't hear in your voice and hear in your affliction and and see you on camera, and just know that you fucking bleed this and you want this, 
I, I just want to kind of paint that picture visually and, and and rewind back to a young a young you when when you seen this for the first time and you thought like I'm gonna put myself through absolute physical mental hell for this dream. <laughs> uh, well, I for whatever reason, and I can't explain to you why I remember this shit, but I do, and very vividly. I had to be because I was born in '93 in September, so I had to be fucking two or three years old. But uh, I saw the Undertaker's entrance one time, and it was just, you know, the blue lights, just all of it, the spectacle of it. And it was the first time, it's my first memory that I can remember of anything. Uh, And I just remember being so just mesmerized by what was happening on the screen. And of course, my mom, being a mother, she changed the fucking channel. So there was my wrestling for another like three years. But you fast forward till about 90, I want to say I started watching where I had a conscious memory about it. And consistently around 97, 98, uh, my uncle was a big wrestling fan. So he was the one that would sit with me and watch it. Uh, Obviously, Raw was a different time back then. So it was TV 14. It was <laughs> fucking, I think it was like 9 to 11 p.m. So technically speaking, I was only allowed to watch the first hour. But my uncle would like, I would like, you know, after my mom would like, be like lights out and shit, I would sneak upstairs and let my uncle back in so he could fucking watch the last hour. And like, pre- my mom would lie and pretend she didn't know he was there, but she knew. And like, we'd fucking practice moves and shit like that. Um, and so I grew up a big Attitude Era guy, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock. The Rock was my guy just because, to a certain extent, I felt like he looked like me. Uh, and that was really big. Yeah, that was really big. Uh, but, you know, The Rock, uh, Triple H, Austin, Mick Foley, Kane and Undertaker. Um, those were, like, as far as my early, early childhood, those are the guys that, like, really pulled me into it and it wasn't obviously about ring work because I didn't know nothing about that shit. It was about their personalities and why they were fighting and who, you know, I I wouldn't say I would flip-flop between who were my guys, more so than like, depending on the context of the rivalry is where I would support one of my guys on if they were feuding with each other. For example, Rock and Austin. Sometimes I was on Austin's side, sometimes I'm on Rock's side. And sometimes, you know, they turn heel and then you like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah. around 2002, uh, Halloween, my uncle passed away. Who That got you in wrestling. One. Yeah. And that was just really bad. Uh, but I stepped away from wrestling for a couple of years watching it. But I wanted to feel close to him again. So I started watching again. Uh you know, Ruthless Aggression era into the into that WrestleMania 24 time period again. Uh, and just really grew up with John Cena, with Randy Orton, with Dave Batista, with Shelton Benjamin, Brock Lesnar. Uh, I could go on and on for hours. Uh, clearly, I was mostly uh, influenced by WWE as I was younger just because it was the only thing really available to me. I didn't mm-hmm. know much about 
Japanese wrestling or AAA or anything of the sort just because my uncle was just a WWF fan. His mm-hmm. dad was, and he was. So, you know, my dad wasn't even a wrestling fan. My parents aren't wrestling fans at all. My mom, while she loves and supports me, and she will fight for me, you can actually tell you about that. Um, she, the physical toll it takes on me, she is not a fan of it. Has she She's watched not, her matches? Yes. Uh, she has watched a lot of my matches. She has never watched any of my hardcore matches. But the most physical match she's seen is myself versus Steve Pena. I, that was my debut for Battle Club Pro. It was a match I wrestled on one knee. Um, it was a match basically that gave me a new lease on life as far as New York wrestling is concerned because, you know, shout out to Steve Pena. He's a like, that brother is a wrestler. Like, if you look at what a wrestler should be, it's Steve Pena. And he brings that passion and that just pure wrestling ability to the ring. And he beat me up. But I met him there and it's one of those, it was just one of those, like, beautiful things. But going back to, like, you know, my initial, like, motivations, uh, you know, I'm very, I'm a very big Randy Orton guy. I think his, the way he moves, his fluidity, his passion that I don't think anyone, I think now people give him credit for it. But I don't think people really understand how passionate Randy is. Because, like, he's been there for 20 years. He's had fuck-up after fuck-up after fuck-up. He's had people's, you know, critique his promos, wrestling ability, whatever so have you. And throughout that all, he always got better, always improved. Mm-hmm. And Reinvented himself. Yeah, for every era. There's not a point in his career where I look at Randy Orton and... While he may say, you know, he was half-assed I can still look at it and be like, yeah, but I still felt the natural passion you had for this. I think and, that was his defense mechanism. He would say, like, oh, I'm just lax. I don't really care. But he did. Yeah. And go. I finally started learning more outside of WWE. I want to say towards high school when I finally discovered Impact. I came so late to the game. I'm talking, like, 2009. So they had already... They were already, like, cooking on all cylinders by the time I joined. But I, I noticed it just because I was flipping randomly, and I saw Sting. And, you know, back in the day, I don't know if you had this thing, but, like, I had this thing where if you weren't on TV, I thought you either retired or you were dead. I thought I thought, <laughs> I thought, thought WCW was, like, like the generic brand wrestling like that's yes. how i that's how i perceived it i'm not yes. even joking like i remember i'd go to the stores and my mom be like oh i got you some wrestling stuff like we were out at the store and the only way i've ever seen wcw stuff was like the five and ten store like the like the poor people store like they'd have the wcw cards would be there or the yes. rubber stings i'm like yo these even their figures suck you know what i mean exactly. I like <laughs> and then especially being a kid because being a kid perception is regarded and the WWF had fucking because I live in New York City, so they had fucking uh the Hard Rock Cafe in Times Square. 
Yeah. They had all the advertisements, the Lud's Pales, this, that, and the third. And then, you know, to me, WCW was just like that Southern company uh, that had like Goldberg, who to me, Goldberg was just. He bored the non- fuck out of me. Yeah. Uh, I don't say he bored the fuck out of me. Oh, he bored were, like, the fuck out of I me. Loved, I hated him. Sometimes I love the violence, but for me, he was just a non beer drinking. Yeah. Often at the time. Obviously, as I grew older, I understand the differences now. But, you know, perception was reality. And that's the thing about the WWF for me was that maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't, but they pushed themselves as being larger than life and being a part of mainstream media and stuff like that. And, I mean, shit, look at them now. It's like Disney. So, to a certain extent, like, their branding and marketing worked. And it trickles down to the rest of the business. I don't think it's just I I've heard other people, other wrestlers say this. Uh it trickles down from the most successful company and then every it bleeds into everything else. And so with that being said, I look at PPW, I look at Battle Club, and I say, Why why not? Why can't we be that big? Why can't we be that important? Why can't my no limits championship matter why can't the battle club pro tag team championships matter and so i take that and in this social media age which is you know give or take because personally i don't like being on social media like that but i understand why it's necessary why can't this new generation of stars make their own way and touch an audience in ways that you know, unfortunately, the guys before us couldn't because of access. Um, and if I can take the legacy that I've inherited from the Amazing Red, who comes from your Mikey Ripwrecks, who comes from your McFoley's. I mean, Mikey, um, Mikey Whipwreck was that story. That was he exactly. was the, he, he was the dude that nobody believed in. That was that like that was his whole gimmick. His like. Yeah, and even Amazing Red, like, he, he tells the story all the time. Like, his debut, he was so small, and he had his little, uh, like, red-haired afro, and, like, people would, like, shit, the craziest things to him and tell him, like, he was going to die and shit. And he made believers out of everyone. And so I don't take that uh, that lineage lightly while also understanding that I have a chance to do something well monetarily, it may be difficult. There's, there's not also another. There's also another name in there that I would say that was as a huge influence on you as well. Unfortunately, we we, we lost him. Um, uh, Maddie. Yeah. yeah. I I've never personally met the guy. I don't know anything about him. Um, but it's one of those things where it's when people carry on a name or a legacy, or they like you feel the love of that person through somebody else, and that's Matt. You know what I mean? Like like I said, I don't know. I don't know him from a hole in the wall. I've never seen him wrestle. I've never seen any of that. But like I said, that group of people who would travel from New York to PPW, they all said the same thing. They all had the same thing, and they all gave a lot of their credit to that person. And it's just like, Jesus, like that's a, that's an impact. That's an impact you want to have for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? And it's it's perfect you say that. I I usually don't talk too much about Maddie because our relationship was our relationship. Mm-hmm. I respect other people saying and honoring him in their ways, and I will 
continue to do so in my own ways. But he probably wouldn't take credit for this if he was here. But this current incarnation of Rembrandt has a lot to do with Maddie because Maddie was the one constantly pushing me to see past what was happening in the moment and understand my work and understand that I had something to give, whether that was in the independent or somewhere else. And watching him, watching him grow as a person and as a performer for the couple of years that I got to share this earth with him was exactly what I was talking about earlier about the trial and error mm-hmm. of doing something and then learning and trying to be better than you were yesterday. Maddie, by no means was perfect at all, but he tried. And he he spoke a lot about leaving a leaving a legacy on the business outside of joining a major company and making a lot of money. And you know, I used to laugh at him sometimes and like, I love you, bro, but you're crazy because I'm trying to get paid because this shit hurts. And while that is very much still true because this shit still does hurt, I understand what he means. He did it. And he did do that. And his, think- his, his legacy without like, I'm not putting names out there or anything like that, but his legacy and his attitude and the way he conducted himself. And like I said, I don't know him from a hole in the wall. I just know of him and the stories, but there's there's traces of him on Wednesday nights, and there's traces of him in in, in other companies. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like people will never, like people may never know his name or know anything about him, but you see him if you look in the right places. And that is something that that's a legacy. Yeah, and I'm sure if you ask him, he'd be happy about it. Um, you know, we always used to joke about the cloud chasers and like people stealing our shit and stuff like that because we would we would do something and then see it happen, see it done not too long ago, not too later afterwards. And the way we looked at it was funny because I looked at it as like flattery, whereas he looked at it as like you know, don't bang my shit. But <laughs> it happens all the time. But I will. I personally believe that he would be proud of the legacy he's left. And he would be proud of who he considered his friends in their business that are still here working and carving out their own legacies uh, and just doing what the fuck we know we can do. And I mean that in a sense of talking about your Charles Masons of the world who is a beautiful beautiful man and a beautiful character and a beautiful human being uh you have your main events of the world can we just talk about charles real quick (laughs) holy fuck did that guy change and transform and just lean Mm -hmm. into something and he i feel like he's right there he's got to be right there like if there's people not watching him that'd be like yo he how is he not on the next level dude literally he went from the playboy billionaire spoiled brat kid then he had that small run of a baby face with evander which i wish we would have got more of because it was fucking hilarious i literally Mm -hmm. like i always tell this story he he went into a crowd started the night as a heel then turned baby face and then right back to heel in less than 15 minutes 
he knows how to pull emotion and change your perception on a snap of a finger. He is crazy talented. And the stuff that he's doing now with this, the, like the, like the, the psycho and the killer. And like, it's crazy. Good. It's crazy. Good. It is. And when, when you're good and you know, you're good, that's where the magic comes. And, Charles is good. He knows he's good. And now he's just getting the opportunity to show everyone how fucking good he is. And he doesn't need tag team partners or stablemates or anything of the sort. Because he, as an entity, is just that fucking Dude, good. And anyone, unfortunately, whoever who's around him at, in a stable right now or in any point, it sucks because they could be the most talented person on the roster too. But that's a, that's a, he cast a big shadow. Yeah, and while some people look at that as intimidating, others may look at it as a challenge because mm-hmm. ultimately, like, iron sharpens iron. That's what we always say. And, you know, we're all talented individual people on our own. But the work we put in at House of Glory, the work we put in in Woodward and the boxing gym, speaks for itself and that's why we're able to go out to all these these different places and no matter what happens or what people say one thing you can't deny is hey redskins are pretty good and you pretty, know. pretty pretty good it's an understatement y'all fuck it <laughs> if i had if i was a billionaire dude and if i had my own company I, I don't people are shitting on WWE right now because they have fuck 13 world titles or AEW has 150 titles. But the, honestly, it would be like everybody, it would be hard to, to pick everybody to be like, you know what I mean? They're like, who's gonna rock a belt? But man, and that's a beautiful problem to have. Yeah, I will say that's a beautiful problem to have. That, that New York scene, just in general, man, like I said, I've been very blessed with to, to be part of the Pennsylvania scene for a while, the Northeast PA scene. I don't want to take credit for all Pennsylvania because there's a lot I don't see. Um, and then like breaking into Jersey, but I've, I've been peeping New York and I like a huge reason why I've been watching the New York scene is because of you guys. And then like, I even told cosmic, I said, man, the female wrestling scene is good right now. It's really good, but it ain't New York. Good. That like New York treats women wrestling on a different fucking level. They really do. Like you look at that scene up there and I, and I, and I, like I said, I don't know much about the place or I don't know like who's in charge or what's going on there. But that that battle club, man, I like the like what's coming out of there is impressive. Well, shout outs to uh, Joaquin Morales, Mr. Martinez, and Hoke. Those are if my car uh, wasn't broke. I'd be making travels up there. <laughs> like, but I'm just, uh, I'm trapped in are, these four. I'm trapped in these four walls for the foreseeable future. That's why I'm podcasting almost every day. I feel you, bro. I feel you. But don't worry. Once you're good, we'll definitely get you down here. But going back to what you said, like, I, Battle Club is, it is different. It is different in a good way. And it comes from, it, it comes from Joe Kim having a good heart. Uh, we may not always see eye to eye. and He isn't too fond of, like, who I keep as company and federated and blah, 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 blah. But he cares 
and he doesn't like we saying he cares can be so vague but he cares in a in the most human way someone can care about you um and being in this position of my career now and seeing that i can look at that passion that emotion and say okay that's something i want to be a part of that's something that i can identify with and so with you know cosmic encouragement and stuff like that uh we found a home at battle club and yeah we take women's wrestling very serious because women command our respect um women are athletes okay women can our draws women can command a stage etc etc we as men all we have to really do is just support them mm-hmm. and put them in positions to succeed and joe kim will put you in a position to succeed despite your race despite your sex despite your beliefs whatever so happy if you are talented and you can prove that talent you will get a fair opportunity my match against steve penya was a perfect example of him just giving me a chance it was the my first main event of my career he said just go out there and do what you do and i've i've had that reassurance but never on that stage and since i can say since he dubbed me main event rembrandt and gave me that shot i've meant i've main evented i want to say four different shows by now i've been i've main evented against Tessa Blanchard. I've been in ladder matches. I have been, I have cashed in for the Battle Club Pro Tag Team Championships. I've been cashed in on for the Battle Club Pro Tag Team Who's your Who's your tag team partner? My tag team partner is Abraham Khan. Okay. Also get well soon to my guy. As you know, car subjects to change, but you're gonna get good. But, you know, throughout all of these, rivalries and matches that I've had over this past year in Battle Club, because there hasn't even been a year yet. Um, the one thing, whether he's fond of me joining Federated or fond of the Kiss of Death or whatever so have you, Joe Kim cannot deny that I bring a certain passion to this. And the people in those in those crowds, when I go out there, they feel something. Whether they're angry at me or they love me, they feel something. And as long as you feel something, that's the point. I have you exactly where I want you. And mm-hmm. I will go and do whatever it is the job calls for. But again, this is a... Everyone likes to say, like, this is a cutthroat business and blah, 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 blah. But it's bullshit. This is a business of unity and cohesion. I cannot perform without my promoters. My perform my um, pro- promoters cannot promote without me. You know? There's there's how you said unity and, and and here's a cool thing about Battle Club that I've been kind of peeping a little bit is is because I like 
what I obsess with when in this business is is not just like when I go to a show. Obviously, I'm I'm a content creator, and and that I put that on the back burner, and I want to actually get to know the talent and 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 become friendly and all that stuff. And I think that's what sets me apart. But like, I like to learn where they came from. I like to learn what their background was at a school, and and because I think it tells you a lot about that person's character and and how they conduct themselves. And and there's two there's two schools that of people who have come out of places in the New York scene that I really really respect and I love what they do and Battle Club kind of has that melting pot of the two coming together, so you kind of have that ama- like that amazing red kid like some people there flying flying in, and then you got those Johnny Rod kids flowing in there and boy, if that's not a match made in heaven, that's you're like that's cra- like you know what I mean like. There, that's that's two really good places, and and they just put out good performers and good people. And if they're finding each other in another place, and that place is Battle Club, that's fucking magical. And that really is what it's about. Like it's just magic. Like Joe Kim told me, uh, you know, he calls it the Fallout Shelter because he wanted, you know. What, no matter what scenario you were coming from or whatever so have you, he wanted wrestlers to know they had a home. And that no matter what was going on, this could be their home. And he has extended that door and home to me in a way that I fully cannot ever repay him for other than just going out there and giving my absolute thousand percent of my soul into what I do. That is the only way I can thank the people who have given me the opportunity to do what I do. Amazing Red, Brian XL, uh, fuck Mikey Ripwreck, <laughs> McVoley. They don't even fucking know me, but yet, you know, they are directly tied to my lineage. Um, and now Joe Kim, Mr. Martinez, okay. The only way I can thank these people, Tony, uh, Paul Bo is to go out there and just fucking give everything I have. And I have said this before, and I will say it until I'm blue in the face. I fully understand every time I get in the ring, there's a risk that I can just be paralyzed or die. Um, And I think that is a certain risk that, while it is understood, I don't think it's emphasized enough. And with that risk comes a certain understanding. And my understanding is that as long as I'm blessed enough to do this and people give me the opportunities to do this, I will give you everything I have, whether that's on one knee, one leg, I have, I'll be so fucking honest with you, bro. I have had like some nerve issues. So sometimes I can't even feel like my fucking left hand sometimes. It's all worthy sacrifices to be able to do what I'm blessed enough to be able to do. And to, like I said, to find people along the way, like yourself, like Harley, like Gavin, uh, like the main event, 
who may be mad at me right now, but I love you guys, to find guys like Quinn, Leroy, uh, Big Daddy Cruz, Chris C, and, you know, legitimate friends in this business. Guys like Maddie, uh, guys like Vinny the Voice, who are no, unfortunately no longer here with us, but still left an impact and touched the people they got to interact with. The only way I can honor these people and ever thank these people for the kindness and love they've given me is just fucking go out there and perform until I absolutely can't anymore. And so that's what I intend to continue doing until I can. I I relate so heavily to that. Um the moments I want to quit and I want to give up and I, I don't even have a follow, like a big, huge following. I'm not the biggest person. My subscriber count's not there. My views aren't there. You know what I mean? But it's just like how you, you feed into like the people who have given you those opportunities and the people who have sacrificed or took time away or, 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 or put faith into you or loved you or gave you that encouragement. It's like, you like when you have that bad day and you're like mentally not ready to do it, and like I, I see people on the scene that like, yo, I'm gonna take a couple weeks off and have a mental health break. And it's just like I respect that, but that ain't me. That I look at that month off and someone can someone can take off my plate. Someone can fucking someone's gonna someone's gonna eat off my hard work or the past five years I put in. So how can I take a break now? Um, those like the three people that may believe in me, I can't quit on them. Like, you know, what I mean, there's so much to this and the layers. And I think that's why we we bond as well as we do and we feel each other as much as we do, is because it's just like I, I, I was concerned with you, man, with that knee. And I was like, yo, you should probably chill. But I knew it would be like me telling myself if I was in the same situation, like you should rest your knee up. But you you're never gonna do that. Because those same exact things, like if I if I disappear for six months or five months and rest my knee up, like that fear of where's is my spot here? Are they gonna remember who I was? Is the is is the grind I put in for this entire time gonna be here when I get back? Now fuck that! I can't stop now. Like, and that's what drives you, man. And I think that's we hit the hour mark, and I and I I honestly feel that we can go for another four hours, and I want to end it here because I, I I. I, I will say this right now to the people listening. Um, the first repeat guest on this podcast is going to be you because we didn't talk uh, any history, right? And <laughs> and that's fine because I felt like this was more than just a podcast. This is more than a conversation. This was therapy for both of us in a way. You know what I mean? Because these are the conversations we would have backstage. And, and I remember like literally like remember having a conversation with you. I believe it was the night you won your title. Like we were both in mental shit spots. And we were literally backstage talking and we're literally how we are right now and fucking so passionate and so hungry with the fucking verge of tears of every time we're about to talk. And then you went out and got your fucking first title ever. And we're trying to take pictures and you're trying to still be kayfabe. And that's when like full, full blown Rembrandt was kind of like, fuck, I got to lean a little bit into this baby face because people believe in me. Like, and I seen that struggle of the character of Rembrandt. You're like, we're at first for a while. You didn't go out to the people in the crowd or you didn't want yourself to be seen. I remember I used to beg you for merch. And you're like, I can't. Like it goes against everything I believe in for my character, but I mean, I because still don't of have marriage, right? <laughs> I know. Well, you, 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 that's why I made I'm a logo with your face on it. A lot of money. Yeah, that's why I put a logo with your face on it. <laughs> that was my loophole. <laughs> um, but but it was just like 
I, I love you to death, man. I seriously do. And, and I, and I know you know this, but if there's ever a conversation that you need to have, or you just need to fucking vent to, or someone to fucking be vulnerable with Ben, I'm always a call away. Um, we're going to definitely do this again and we're going to get more Rembrandt story out. The only thing I can say, man, is if you listen to this once again, there's, if you don't feel it, you're fucking insane. And if you need someone on your roster, who's going to put that work in you're, 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 you're a goddamn fool for not booking this guy. Um, like I said, man, I love you to death. Where can people find you on social media? I love you too, my brother, first and foremost. You can find me on Instagram and late Twitter at the Rembrandt. Uh, two underscores at the end. I do not have a blue check because I didn't have one before, and I'm not going to pay $8. Uh, <laughs> I post... Not enough, but I will post enough to keep you interested. And again, if you were nice enough to listen to this podcast and spend this last hour with myself and the great Mr. Anthony, thank you for that. And just if you take anything out of this, just fucking live your life with passion. Live in your fucking truth, dog. And don't let anyone, anyone tell you you can't do something. Because chances are, they just probably told themselves that shit. And they mm-hmm. need to make themselves feel better. That's that's that's, that's exactly what it is. Uh, links below, like I said, follow him on all social media. Make sure you hit those comments and, and, and kind of likes and say, hey, BJ sent me. Uh, get get this dude out there, man. Share his shit. Uh, he works too fucking hard to 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 not be in 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 more homes and more people. Uh, go go seek out his matches. Type in Rembrandt Wrestling on YouTube and just go watch. He, he he's working his fucking he's working his dick off. You know what I mean? And it's like I said, the promos, everything's there. Uh, support, and we're gonna get that fucking merch going, whether you like it or not. We're gonna figure something out. <laughs> Don't worry. I okay. I am, <laughs> I am working on it. It will be done. I can't say when, but it will be done. I promise. Yeah. I have listen. I have four hundred and eighty-five logos. I just can't sell a T-shirt. <laughs> so, so when you finally put your one out, people are gonna go for it. But listen, um, and I may know some logo people. So if you need art, uh, hit me up and let me know what you need, and we can we can. I, I know some good people. One of them being right here, Hunter Dillon. Uh, that guy Uh-oh. right there makes a lot of my logos. So if you see a lot of those like dope ass shit, it's probably him, my buddy Kai, or uh, Haley Stokes, and they're all amazing. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys on that note. And um, this is, we're running this back. We're having another conversation. You know what I mean? For sure, um, my friend. We'll, we'll, uh, if I keep talking, we're going to be here another hour because it just <laughs> – but we're going to end it there. Uh, I saw I didn't get to any questions in the chat. Uh, I just felt like today's wasn't – I'm, I hate I hate to say this for the live chat, but this wasn't for you guys today. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, this this was this was this was two people who haven't talked in a long time finally getting to talk, and you guys were just lucky enough to see it live uh, and listen to it back. And 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 we appreciate you for for being a part of that. Um, if you want any indication of maybe what an ABJ has a conversation with with some talent backstage, this is it. This is about as close as you're gonna fucking get. I always get told, "How come you don't have a camera backstage when you're doing your vlog?" I said, because some of it's so personal and so deep that I don't want to put people out there like that. This is your best taste yeah. of that. This is honestly the closest you're going to get to that. Because, and I and I appreciate you being vulnerable like this and putting yourself out there and being willing to talk about some of the things and and, and you know what I mean like 
it means a lot as you know to, to put your it's hard it's fucking hard especially as a man to make yourself vulnerable and and show what 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 is perceived as weakness but it's not it's really not um yeah i'm gonna stop fucking ranting because it's gonna be here all day <laughs> here's some music by billy trey we'll see you guys tomorrow uh another live episode at seven o'clock with the dude uh, another young start coming out of the northeast pa scene at a high ground wrestling former backbreakers uh he's he's less than a year into his career and he has one of the most compelling and entertaining and funniest characters you'll see on the scene and we're going to talk to him tomorrow and learn about him. And then also on Thursday, we have Ed House, who's a, a Northeast PA veteran who's been around a long time. Insanely uh, funny. Uh, one of my first interviews I've ever done backstage with him where I actually learned how to edit and add beeps to it. I would have <laughs> left all the curses in, but I thought the curses, beeping the curses made it more entertaining. Uh, so I told him to curse as much as possible. And he obliged me. Uh, so we will have that inter- that interview on Thursday. <laughs> this month, I'm telling you right now, I'll, I'll give you a little teaser right now. I'll, I'll run off some names. What do you hear this? In no particular order. Number one, obviously, Rembrandt. Ryan Vox will be on the podcast. Du- the Dude, Ed House, Deshaun Pratt, Jay the Key Evans, Julius, Julius Smokes, which is going to be absolutely insane i don't know what to expect with that brown and downey squid sterling pete corvus just saying elevation 1470 leo sparrow grim's toy show grim himself is going to be on the podcast and then i have three more dates open i'm waiting for one person to get me a date and then once they give me that one date i already have two other people online to be booked so there's three more names being added like i'm not working right now i'm fucking broke i can't go to i can't drive to work i'm trying to find work at home stuff so until they hit me up saying for an at-home job i'm gonna grind this entire month I'm I'm one subscriber away from 670 subscribers. I want that 1K. I want it, and I don't want to wait till the end of the year. Uh, this is my month. I'm going to grind my fucking ass off, and we're going to get it done, and we're going to give you some really good content with some really good people, and, and you're going to hear some really good stories. Uh, there's a lot of good podcasters out there. But ain't none of them ABJ, and that's and then you, how you said before. I'm going to be I'm going to not be cocky, but I'm going to be confident in myself. That's that's what I'm pulling out of this interview today, like. I, I let too many people eat on my plate, and it's time for me to get that meal. And like the young kids say, that's on period. Yep. We're <laughs> out of here. Billy Trey, Converse Kid Music. We're out. We're gone. <laughs>